Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast DynastyWeekFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts. I'm James the Brain, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Guys, I am joined by a bunch of guests. We have a special episode tonight. I am going to be your host, and we are going to have a very, very special draft special uh, episode of the Superflex Super Show here. I have got a, a panel of guests that I am proud of to bring on this uh, this show here, this episode, because these guys know their stuff. They know the incoming prospects. So without any further ado, I'm going to start introducing them. First off, we have David Wilsey. Um, you can find David at Wilson Ader. That is Wilson, the number eight, T-O-R, on Twitter. And David, uh, I'm going to throw it to you, but thanks for coming on. Why don't you tell the people and the listeners where they can find your stuff and where you're at? Uh, first off, I'd just like to say, you know, thank you for the invite, man. I was happy to get it and happy to accept and be here to talk to you all. All you fine people who are probably a lot smarter than me, but I'll see if I can keep up. Uh, I am, you know, at writing over at ffstatistics.com. And uh, I also do a podcast called The Youth Movement with my co host, uh, Jesse Reeves at Jesse Reeves FF. Little shout out to him. And uh, right now I'm working on. Uh, I do the, uh, it's an eight-part series wrapping up each division, um, going over how each team did throughout the year, how their uh, statistics turned out for each individual player as a team in whole, contract situations, uh, coaching changes, just anything that uh, somebody might want to know for, for the upcoming season to keep them satisfied through, through the summertime. Really cool. All right. I'll be on the lookout for that. That sounds awesome. Um, Next, I'm going to go to Josh. Josh Padgett um, is here. You can find Josh at J Padgett, P-A-D-G-E-T-T. So at J P-A-D-G-E-T-T 9-4 is where you can find Josh on Twitter. And Josh, uh, I'm going to throw it to you, man. Why don't you let everyone know where they can find your content and where you're at? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm over at the uh, Fantasy Fanalists. We recently rebranded from Top 2 Sports. Um, we've been putting out a lot of new draft content this year. We've uh, started something we're calling the 48 report, um, trying to detail uh, 48 of the top prospects coming in this in this year. Um, I think we're about halfway through so far, and we're going to try and get the rest of the way through um, pre-draft. So uh, we're just getting through all those guys and ranking them up. We had an episode on the pod last week uh, where we uh, did a 48-man uh, mock draft. So. We're trying to push out as much draft content as we can here leading up to the combine and the draft. Really cool. Really cool. 48 man. So that's deep. That's, that's, that's four rounds in a 12 teamers. So if anybody's looking for some, uh, some deep sleepers, man, go listen to that. 
that sounds like that'll have uh, have have some really good uh, really good content there. So appreciate having you, uh, Josh. Um, and next we're going to go to Dwight Dwight Peebles. Um, you can find Dwight at ff peebles uh, peebles champ. That's at ff p e e b l e s champ um, on Twitter. And uh, Dwight, where where can we find your content? Where can the listeners go uh, to find your stuff and to listen to you? Yeah, right now I'm. Uh, that, by the way, that intro was awesome, man. I, I'm so hyped. I want to like go jump off the top ring and just like hit somebody with a freaking metal chair right now, man. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, yeah, you can find me at uh, right at Dynasty Happy Hour, Dynasty Trade Calculator, and then I have the Debbie Owners Manual and the Debbie Happy Hours to Debbie podcasts that I work on uh, right now. Just really knee deep in the class. I kind of tend to focus more on defense. Um, so I kind of hate quarterbacks, but every defensive league I'm in has super flex. So I have to kind of pretend I love quarterbacks. So I do <laughs> love the work you guys do. So. Awesome. Thank, thank you very much for having me on as well. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank all you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, so let's, let's get to some of the content here, gentlemen. Let's get to some of the prospects. Let's get to some of the questions. And this is a super flex show. So guys, we're going to start with the quarterback. Sorry, Dwight. Um, but you know, this year's quarterback class, I mean, what do you guys think of this quarterback class as a whole? And is there anyone that stands out to you as a top-end prospect or as a sleeper at the position? Or, or what stands out to you? Um, what player do you think um, maybe is a top-end prospect that you really like or is a sleeper that you think maybe can make some noise, uh, you know, later if they end up in the right, right situation? Um, David, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I, um, I think, you know, we kind of talked a little bit prior to – push and record but this isn't the most exciting quarterback class that we've ever seen but I also think it's a when you know every year that kind of question comes up and it's important to you know kind of put it in context you know is it 1983 with you know Elway and Marino and Kelly or 2004 with Eli and Rivers and Big Ben you know no probably not that's you know I think we can kind of clearly see that right now but is it 2007 with Jamarcus Russell and Brady Quinn and Trent Edwards. No, I don't think it might. I don't think it's necessarily that either. So you got to kind of, when you ask yourself that question, kind of put it into a little context. Don't expect the greatest thing, you know, when you, you already know it's not going to be so, but I think um, the, I think the, the two, that are kind of consensus head and shoulders above the rest for everybody are, you know, obvious it's Haskins and, and Murray right now, but I think everybody's got questions. I, I don't, I, you know, Haskins is head and shoulders above the, above the rest for some people, but he still has questions, you know, is deep ball accuracy, mobility, you know, he only had one year worth of, uh, worth of production, you know, so is this, something that's just a, a one-hit wonder is it something that can be sustained and, and you know you have murray who has the size concerns he's got all the athletic ability in the world and arm talent for days you know is he lamar jackson just with with a better more accurate arm and everything like that i've heard that comparison before but he is not big and you know guys that are you know under 200 pounds you you take a beating in the NFL and yeah, he was able to, for the most part, avoid that in college, but it's a whole nother level at the, at the, you know, at the NFL and Russell Wilson, similar game maybe, but Russ is a lot thicker 
and I've talked about this with with my co-host before. You know, Russ is a lot thicker than than Kyler Murray. He he can take a little more of a pounding just because he's got more padding, and so is the first time he just gets laid out. Does he turn into RG three? So I, you know, and then you got questions as you go, you know, farther and farther down the line. Just you know, is uh, did Will Greer's you know, senior bowl completely, you know, or not completely, you can't completely ignore the couple of years of film that he had that were great, but did, you know, did they sour some teams on him or, uh, you know, Daniel Jones has the size and athleticism, but is he, you know, accurate enough? Can he push the ball downfield outside the numbers? Uh, you know, Stidham took a step back this year, you know, instead of moving forward like everybody expected. So there's there's questions and concerns up and down the list, but, you know, unfortunately, the the state of the NFL, you have to find your quarterback, and whether or not these guys warrant first-round draft picks is probably going to be a handful that, that goes that early, and it's kind of going to be up to us to try and pick through the weeds and – and find what's what's real and what can be sustained and relied on, as opposed to who's going to flame out uh, after a year or two of starting or yeah. never start. You know, I mean, I think the majority of these guys are probably not what you would call a day one starter. They're probably developmental, you know, quarterbacks, but they don't get that chance nowadays. A lot of guys are thrust into the position way before they ever should be just because they had a little production in college. And that's, you know, what we as analysts and fantasy players have to try and pick through and, and find out what we can, uh, what we think's real and, and not, and can, can be sustained and relied on. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. That's, that's really good stuff. No, you're absolutely right on that. Um, and I, I definitely think that this class, um, you know, th this class probably lacks that top end, that top end talent. But David, real quick, before before we move on, I want to ask you, do you have a sleeper in this class? Is there anyone that's going a little bit later that you think, you know, this watch out for this guy? This guy actually might be able to make some noise if he ends up in the right situation. Yeah. And I just one more thing real fast before I move on to, to the sleeper. Just I think it's important nowadays to throw out the. Uh, kind of when you evaluate a quarterback and I I'm fairly new to this. So this is kind of a nice thing for me is I don't have the stereotypes hammered into my head that they have to be so tall. They have to be so, you know, so some 220, 225, whatever. I don't have all that stuff hammered into my head. So I think it's kind of with the, with what, with Murray coming in, how small he is and everything like that. I think it's important to kind of toss those out and maybe reevaluate and just look at, you know, why, why can't he do what he did, you know, as opposed to he, he just isn't going to be able to because of point A or point B, but um, sleeper, I'm going to be a little bit of a homer here. I'm from Washington and I watched this guy a lot this year, but I mean, uh, Gardner Minshew, I, th I think um, people might have some, uh, you know, some down feelings about him after, you know, again, the game against Washington in the Apple Cup, they they came up, you know, well short. Miles Gaskin just ripped him to pieces on that day in the snow. But uh, the the Senior Bowl, he he didn't, you know, so much impress a ton of people on the field. But 
one thing I, I did hear that he showed a lot of was leadership and he, he showed that all year for Washington state, man. He commanded that, that offense. He ran Mike Leach's offense, uh, you know, as good as I've seen anybody else run it. And uh, I think when you look at his stats from uh, East Carolina, where he transferred from, he was, you know, he was going to go to Alabama and transfer straight into coaching after he played. And, um, that kind of shows like the, the leadership that he has and he's got, you know, a, a good enough arm. He throws a real good back shoulder fade and he, he doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not going to go up there and just sling it all over the field, but he's mobile enough. He, uh, he's turned completely flipped. You know, if you look at his statistics from East Carolina to now, I think it shows that coaching and being in the right system can really do wonders for a player and I, I thought it was going to get Mike Leach a, a coaching opportunity. I don't know if he want wants to leave the situation he's in in Washington State, but I think he really showed something too this year. But I, I think it shows with the style of offenses that are kind of progressing in the NFL, you know, trying to just move guys into space and get guys open. I think he's got enough talent that, you know, not on – week one or anything like that. He might, might take an injury. He might just end up being a real solid backup for his career. But I heard uh, somebody say, you know, a poor man's Baker Mayfield, you know, that, that would be all right with me. I mean, it, he's got decent size. Like I said, a, a, a decent arm, not the greatest. He's accurate enough, but he moves around in the pocket. He runs his offense real well. He, uh, he can find the open man. And I think he could, you know, I think he could surprise people if put in the right situation, the right coach. Okay. And, uh, you know, given the pieces around him, you know, obviously, like everybody else, you need pieces around you. And, you know, he can only do so much. But I, th I think um, much like a lot of the people we're going to talk about today, situation will be key for him. And mm -hmm. yeah. I, yeah. I think he could surprise some people. So. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, especially with quarterback situation is really important. But that's a guy who, if, if he lands in the right situation, I, I like it. Very very nice. A little off the radar uh, there from you. So, Josh, we're going to go to you now. Josh, what do you think about this quarterback class? And, again, is there a guy that stands out to you, one of the top-end prospects, or maybe a, a sleeper that stands out to you? Um, and what do you think about the position as a whole, Josh? Uh, well, I'm going to agree with what David said. The, the class isn't awesome. Um I don't think it's terrible. I think what we need to look at is um, how many of these guys are going to get a shot at starting. Um, in Superflex, that's what matters. If you're in a 12-team Superflex, there's 24 starting quarterbacks that are going to be playing on a week-to-week -week basis usually. So um, if you think any of these guys is a shot at being a top 24 quarterback in the NFL, then it's it's probably worth a shot to draft him in Superflex. I think Haskins is a pretty safe bet. Um Drew Locke is actually my top guy. Uh, he's not as safe as Haskins, but I think his ceiling is higher. Um, okay. He's got a heck of an arm, uh, not quite Josh Allen level, but he's he's got a, a great arm. And he's shown some propensity to make mistakes, uh, a lot of Jameis Winston in him. Another guy I see in Locke is Brett Favre. Um, I, I know that's a high praise to give him, but uh, I like what I've seen on tape, and I like what I've uh, – seen in person when I watched him uh, torch Purdue's defense. So um, I really like Locke a lot in this class. Um, Murray is, is a wild card for me as well. Um, 
definitely worth a shot. He's going to start somewhere. Um, now that he's committed to football, I've, I've, I've kind of wiped my major concern off of the board. You know, if this baseball thing was going to hang over his head, then, you know, I would have, I would have uh, had a lot more concern, but now that he's come out in, in favor of football and has decided that that's what he's going to do, he'll get drafted in the top 20. I don't see him falling any further than that. And that's a guy worth gambling on. Um, so those are the three guys at the top that I'm really comfortable with. Uh, if there's a sleeper in this class, I'm, I'm going to say it's Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo, uh, 6'7 with a cannon. Uh, he's pretty mobile outside the pocket, and he makes he makes throws on the run look easy. Um, so his physical attributes are going to make his ceiling pretty high. Uh, there's a long way to go on the mental game. He makes a lot of mistakes, uh, doesn't see the field terribly well despite his stature, but um, those things can be coached up, and the the raw talent is, is in my mind, going to get him a shot at, at starting in an, on an NFL team. Very nice. Okay, yeah, I've, I've heard Tyree Jackson's name thrown around a lot. Um, yeah, at 6'7", what about his level of competition? Did he play anyone at Buffalo that, uh, that kind of showed off, um, you know, what he can do against a higher level of competition? I know that that's kind of a concern with him going to Buffalo. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten terribly deep into his tape. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at his stats. Um, so I, I can't really answer the question on level of competition, but um, I know that he's an NFL-style athlete. You know, I, I, I know that he can take hits from, from NFL defensive ends and get back up, and I know that he can uh, escape the pocket against those same players. So I think he can make an NFL throw, and I think that that's what teams are going to see when they uh, look at him on day three. Real nice. Yeah. And when we're looking at some of those late prospects, that's, that's one of the things that, I mean, you can, if you can see that, you can see a path to, to, to playing time for somebody like that. That's huge. So no, re- really good name. I like that a lot, Josh. Dwight, we're going to, we're going to throw it to you, but what do you think about this quarterback class in general? And again, is there a guy that stands out to you, a sleeper or a top prospect that you really like? Right. I'm in the same boat as these guys. I don't, see anybody i think every one of them has like some elite talents like some are not not elite but like very good talents that they could work with and some teams are going to fall in love with like reportedly john l is in love with drew lock and it's kind of hard it's easy to see why um i can see haskins i think haskins and murray could be successful if they're if they're falling in the right situation haskins is going to need some time to develop as well as murray as well um i'm not as worried about his size anymore i feel like the nfl is evolving I do worry that he's going to take a big hit, obviously, but he seems pretty smart about the fact that he is only, you know, 5'10", 190. He's not going to be out there. Hopefully he's learned from what RG3 did. You know, he's not going to throw his body all over the place. Um, I don't love any of them, honestly. I think all of them, if given the right situation, could be successful. Um, one of the lower one of the lower guys I like, one of the sleepers, I guess, is um, I do like Jared Stidham quite a bit. I think if he fall, if he falls in a situation where he has a couple years to sit and learn, I can see him being. I don't think he's going to light the NFL on fire by any means, but I could see him having kind of a kind of like a Kirk Cousins type career, you know, where he has a couple years where he sits behind somebody and he isn't the man, you know. And he kind of reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins. He's a big guy with a pretty. De- he's got a decent arm, but there's delivery issues and things like that. So, and the system he was in at Auburn with Gus Malzahn was. It just stunk. It didn't highlight him at all. He took care of the ball really well. He threw 17, 18 touchdowns with only a couple interceptions a year. 
playing in the SEC, but he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. So he's a guy I like. I thought he looked really good at Senior Bowl. And um, other than that, I don't really have Tyree Jackson like Josh said. He's interesting, but he also was throwing to Anthony Johnson, who's just unreal. That's true. Uh, yes. That's I don't have much to say about the quarterbacks, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got you. And, and, and real quick, I think this class, uh, I, I'm just going to agree with you guys. I mean, this class is just, it's its pretty, uh, um, there's a lot left to be desired. Um, there are some names here, and I, I like Haskins an awful lot. I, I think he should be the first quarterback off the board. I see a lot of things I like. There are some 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 question marks with him, uh, mainly his deep ball accuracy and, uh, and his arm strength. I, I want to make sure. That he can uh, he, he can he can throw the ball you know uh, further down the field accurately and get it out and uh, you know get it there on time. That's going to be my main concern with him. But uh, I'm hoping that that's something that he can address come pro day, uh, his pro day, and maybe a little bit at the scouting combine. And uh, and then I would I would really really like Askins if he could do that. But uh, yeah, and and as far as a sleeper goes, I, you know what? I don't even know if he qualifies as a sleeper, but I like Will Greer an awful lot, and. Look, his senior bowl wasn't great, and his tape—it's okay. Um, but I, I don't think—I don't think it's anything. You know, there, there's consistency issues there, um, and you know, he has kind of a—you know—he doesn't always have the greatest fundamentals either. But the thing that he has—it it just seems that he has some of those intangibles. And and when I talk about quarterbacks, it's it's one of those things where, for me, the intangibles are are really important, um, and it's something that you can't measure with the tape, and it's not going to show up on the statistics, but um, I, I just think he's a gamer. He's a guy who, uh, who, you know, if he's in a tight game, this guy finds ways to win it. And, and I, I always appreciated watching him for that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if some of uh, some of the things that he has to work on mechanically um, can be fixed at the NFL level. I think they can, but I just don't know um, how consistent he's going to be um, in, in continually doing the same things over and over when it comes to fundamentals. So, um, so anything, anything that you guys want to add uh, about quarterbacks before we move forward? Yeah, just real quick. What do you guys think of Haskins fell? Now, I've heard that, that the Giants fell, the subscribe to the uh, Parcells, that they have to have a three-year starter. But I actually think that the New York Giants would be a spot where he could succeed if he wasn't forced to start in year one and even maybe two years. I really like the stuff that they have. Their pieces could build around the fact that he doesn't have a deep game. You know, like he's got Ingram, he could have Ingram, OBJ, and Saquon. You know, those are definitely some targets that, you know, could do a lot of damage within 20 yards from line of scrimmage. So, yeah, and Shepard, too. So, he right. does have some weapons. That would, that I think the outcry for him to start day one would be unreal if, uh, <laughs> right. especially if Eli wasn't looking good through the preseason. But that, that would be a good spot for him, too. Like you said, a lot of weapons. So, no, I'd like that. Yeah, any quarterback that goes to the Giants moves up my board, whether it's a day one, two, or three guy. Um, oh, just because he, he's going to get a start this year. I mean, I don't want him to. You know, ideally, if it's one of those top three guys, he does sit a year. But, I mean, you right. know there's going to be an outcry. You know, They already benched Eli once. There's no reason they won't do it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. um, yeah, and he can rely on the run game too, which is nice, you know, with Saquon Barkley back there. Um, and Saquon's also a nice safety valve to have out of the backfield to throw the ball to. So, no, I, Quarterback's I best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree with you guys. I think that would be a nice landing spot for one of these guys. Um, just one more, real quick. What do you guys think of Ryan Finley? Because I, I heard a take. I haven't watched too much on him just yet, but I heard somebody say that they liked him. The second most out of anybody except Murray. So, like, what have you guys gotten into him too much? 
This is what I've seen. He's really inconsistent. He has really good games, and then he has really just abysmal games where he looks like he might as well be in the Mac, you know, and then there's games where he comes out and shows really well. He's played, I'm trying to think of, he had a couple games this year where it was his time to shine, and he just didn't do it. Like, he was, yeah, he, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even, I doubt he'll be even drafted. I doubt he'll make it, you know, past training camp. So know. that was a hot take that I heard, a real hot one. <laughs> but again, like we said, you know, the the class as a whole isn't um, anything too too much to stand up and celebrate. So, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we we're we're ready to wrap up quarterbacks then. Um, this is well, uh, one one last thing. Mm-hmm. Where are you guys drafting the first quarterback in Superflex? Oh, good question. I. If you need a quarterback, I still think I, I um and I've had a couple mocks and I've taken Kyler second or third as high as usually where I see him going. Wow. Okay. I, I don't know if I can do quite that high, but I think probably right around maybe right around the five range. Yeah. Five six is as high as I'm willing to take any of these guys. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I know uh my co host John Hogue is somewhere and he's 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 probably pounding his head against the wall hearing me say that because he he would think that they would go you know one one or two but um but no yeah i think i think six is probably the highest and and even that you know i'm i'm still i'm still not totally comfortable passing on some of the talent that might be there at some of the other positions but being that it's quarterback if i had to reach i think five five or six the highest i'd go um but really good question there josh that's yeah uh, that's that's i think the ideal spot but if you need it if you really really need a quarterback you know yeah you gotta do what you gotta do even though none of them are beautiful yeah it's interesting man super flex a lot like the nfl draft you know when that, yeah, that rookie exactly. draft comes around you gotta reach yeah. for those quarterbacks sometimes mm-hmm. so um, all right, so let's let's move on. Let's move on to the running backs because this is an interesting running back class, guys. So um, going to the running backs, um, this class is said to be fairly weak at the running back position. Is this a correct assessment of the class, or are we missing something? And uh, if you know if we are missing something, what are we missing, or who is it that we're missing? So, um, Josh, we're going to start with you. Uh, what what do you think about this running back class as a whole? Um, as a whole, it's definitely not last year and it's not next year. Um, so, you know, if you're not contending, this is, is not the draft to take running back. I don't think, um, I think there's very few three down type guys in this class. David Montgomery is the only one that comes to mind for me. I'm not a Josh Jacobs fan. Um, but Montgomery is my RB one. He's the the most complete back in this class. I think he's uh, got solid hands and I think he's ready to contribute right out of the gates. Uh, lateral movement and contact balance remind me a lot of LaShawn McCoy. So uh, Montgomery's my third overall prospect, and and uh, I like him more than most. Okay, very nice. So what what is it that you see in Jacobs that you don't like? Because um, I know there's a lot of people that are really high on him. Not only do they have him uh, as their number one running back, but I've seen people who have him uh, top two or three overall in this rookie class. What, what do you uh, – what do you think when you watch his tape that uh, that you see that others maybe are kind of glossing over? Well, uh, I like to uh, pretend I'm the mi- middle ground between tape and analytics. Um, okay. Josh Jacobs' numbers are just not exciting. Um, very uh, low in the explosion. I mean, he has you know he has a great average, but he doesn't have anything in terms of like big plays. 
Um, I think his longest play last year was like 20 yards. Uh, I just don't see a lot of and, – and behind that Alabama offensive line, i got to expect more out of him. Uh, I know it's the SEC, and I know those defenses are good, but, you know, what's with the lack of, you know, explosive big plays? If he's really that kind of talent, why isn't that showing up? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, that that makes total sense to me. Um, looking at the numbers and looking at the film, that's 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 the way to do it. Um, you know, kind of finding that happy balance. So, Josh, real quick, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to put all you guys on the spot. Uh, Josh, you're going first, so you're really going to get put on the spot here. Is there a sleeper? Is there a guy that you like more? Maybe not even a sleeper, but a guy that you like more than than the consensus at this point that you've seen. And if so, who is that, and uh, and why? Well. Um... I'll give you the easy one, and that's Rodney Anderson. Um, the only reason he would fall is is injury. Um, he could be the RB one in this class, but you know he's had some some significant injuries and missed a lot of time in college. Uh, he is the explosive, I think, that Josh Jacobs is not. Um, but he's been pretty fragile. A couple of knee injuries and a back injury, and and some other things going on with him. Um, I'm willing to draft him in the late first still because uh, I think his talent is really really high but um those injuries the combine and medicals will hopefully come out on him and and let us know a little more his draft stock will tell us a lot there too nice yeah his medicals are going to be huge at the combine i think uh his draft spot stock could uh could soar or could could plummet depending on those medicals um so that that's going to be really important for him i like that um okay so josh we got we got you there bud and i i kind of want to go now to uh Let's go to Dwight. Uh, Dwight, what do you have for us uh, at that running back position? Right. I'm in the same boat as Josh. I think we're all going to agree on probably every one of these positions. It doesn't have the the shine, the, you know, the beautiful, the huge names that the last, you know, 18 had and then next year and stuff. But it's it's got some good, good contributors, guys who I think are going to be RB1s. I actually do believe in Josh Jacobs. Um, I'm not as much of an analytic guy, though. I just like what I see on tape and mm-hmm. I love watching them, but I, and I'm absolutely in love with David Montgomery, especially if you watch his tape last year, Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Um, Darrell Henderson looks really good. Devin Singletary's all of a sudden getting a bunch of sexy buzz right now as somebody who, and who is going to be potential to, you know, really do something in the NFL. Um, <laughs> I was actually going to take Rodney Anderson too, because I think people have kind of fallen <laughs> asleep on him, and, and I think if you get a team that's willing to be patient, you know, and let him have a year and kind of break him in slowly. He could be a monster. Um, but a guy that I love that most people don't and kind of not, I don't know if he's a sleeper per se, but I really love Travion Williams from Texas A&M. Hmm. Uh, just a guy that does everything really good, nothing great. But I just love that he did. He's a good pass catcher, great pass blocker. Um, just, you know, shifty enough, fast enough, good second gear. He's a guy I really love. And I've, I've been on that, that boat for a couple of years with him and, one that I, I've been happy to sneak early second round so far in a couple drafts, and I'll take that all day. And if he gets in a good spot where someone will be a little patient with him as well, and, and I really like what he can do. So. Yeah, that's nice. I like Travion Williams an awful lot too. I think that's a good answer. I think we've gotten two good answers to that question here. So that's um, that's awesome. So now you know that means that the pressure's on you, David. You gotta you gotta tell us what you think of this running back class as a whole and and a possible sleeper that you might have. Well, I'm glad I switched from my sleeper as well because it was going to be Rodney Anderson. (laughs) uh, The group uh, likes Rodney Anderson. Let's let's just know that. 
Yeah, no, as a whole, I, I'm in agreement. It's not, uh, you know, it's not the not the best class by by any means. But there is a lot of talent. Just like you, like was said, not not a lot of three down talent. I don't think it's it's kind of small. You know, when your 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 best guys are kind of sitting around two fifteen instead of two twenty five, two thirty. That's a little bit of a change. You know, so we don't have the the guys that we can see coming from a mile away, like Saquon and, and Zeke and Gurley and, and Chubb. So I, I like Josh Jacobs as well. I, I don't think that it's yeah, analytically. I, I like to view myself the same way at 33% analytic, 33% film, 34% uh, context. So I like to put everything into one picture and then try and, you know, look at the whole, the whole rest of the team and everything and just say, okay, why might he not have got this much work or why, why did he get more work than this guy or why didn't he catch the ball? Um, so I think, like I said, as, as a whole, not a lot of three down guys. I'm probably the lowest person I've heard on, on Darrell Henderson. I just don't think he's going to see 10 foot wide holes on the regular in the pros and he he i i think he will be good i'm not trying to say he won't be good but i think he will be best served in a you know split back situation kind of how atlanta uses theirs but um as far as a sleeper i'm probably going to be pretty boring on my sleeper it's he's not somebody who does any one thing very special he's not the fastest you know he's not going to break the tackles the best he's not the most agile but i think one thing he, he really does have his vision and i and i think that's damian harris the other guy out of alabama and i've i i didn't go into watching him with expectations of being super impressed and like i said he doesn't do any one particular thing amazing except i think he does have great vision which allows him to kind of compensate for the deficiency deficiencies that he does have. So I think he's faster. I think he's faster than he looks. I saw him outrun a couple guys, a couple DBs to the end zone. I think he's agile enough and put in, you know, that vision that he has with there as well. Um, I think uh, I'd be really excited about him if he somehow landed in uh, New Orleans and just stepped right in for Mark Ingram and took over that role. And I, I, I think he'd do really well in that role. Like, I don't think he's a three down back per se. He can catch the ball a bit, but I, I think I'm a little higher on him maybe than most. Nice. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, and then there you go. There's a, a little bit of a different answer, but I like that. I like uh, Damien Harris, the guy who I think a lot of people were high on uh, coming into this process and have slowly kind of cooled on. Um, for me, I'm going to agree with Josh. Uh, personally, I, I have David Montgomery as my my top prospect, and I, I'm not a huge Josh Jacobs believer yet. I think my, my problem is, is the amount that he seems to rely on his physicality. Um, he, he seems to run really physical, and that works in college. But for his size, I, I don't know that that's going to work at the next level. So I'm a little concerned about him. I think he's going to have to find different ways to, to kind of gain some of those yardage um, than, than the ways that he he did at Alabama. Um, so I'm, I'm a little concerned about him. I like David Montgomery. I do think he's a three-down back, and I do think that this 
running back class as a whole has some depth, but really um, isn't, uh, you know, like you, uh, I think it was put perfectly. It's not, it wasn't last year's class and it's not next year's class. It's just kind of, I mean, there's, there's some names here, but there's, there's not a lot um, personally, in my opinion. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys have for running backs that you guys kind of want to get to, or you guys want to touch on before we move on? Uh, What do you guys think about the, you know, the, the feeling or the thought that um, David Montgomery broke so many tackles because he had to, because he wasn't, you know, quite as fast as some other guys. And like, what, what would you, I mean, uh, you know, obviously everybody like to see him run like a four or five flat or below, but like, what's your cutoff to where if he runs, you know, four, five, five, is he still your guys top RB? Is that going to affect your thoughts? Um, or is, is there like a cutoff for you guys? You know, obviously there's a cutoff for everybody, but like, what would that be for you guys where you go? Oh, okay. That's, that's a little too slow for me. Yeah. I do worry about that. Cause the one detraction that I saw in his game was the, lack of elite elite speed like that um he does um i did notice he he sometimes relies on that tackle on his juking and his shiftiness when he could just run straight um i noticed that a lot there was times where we we debated it on our last pond on debbie happy hour the same thing that you know josh jacobs needed to be more shifty like there were times where he would get in that second level and just hit whatever was close to him and then there was times where David Montgomery would get to that second level and he would just start shifting. And then, and, and, and if he would just run straight forward, he would have probably got more yards. Unnecessary <laughs> movement. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah, that's, de- that's a definite concern. I think four five, yeah, probably four five five, but at the same time, you can't detract what's on tape. He's, he's, he's elusive, man. He's, he's fun to watch. So no, that's true. And running, you know, running in shorts in a straight line is definitely not the same thing as, you know, playing on a field with 11 guys trying to tackle you, you know, so that's, that's very good point. I think that uh, the key for the 40 time for Montgomery is going to be the three cone time to go with it. Uh, If he stays well under seven seconds in that three cone, I don't think he can run a 40. That's going to bother me very much. Um, But, you know, yeah, no, I agree with you, Josh. The three cone and the shuttle is going to be what I'm going to look at a little bit more for him uh, than the 40 time. Uh, but but you're absolutely right. I mean, that is a concern. That long speed or that straight line speed is a concern and, you know, whether or not he can use it. So that's going to be something he's going to have to adapt to. And I think with NFL coaching, he's going to have to because they're not going to want a guy who's going to be shifting, you know, and, and, and relying on agility and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, in the hole, they're going to want a guy who can, who can go straight forward, hit the hole and then, you know, make moves on the second level type thing. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how, how he develops and uh, how he approaches things at his pro day in the combine. That's kind of why Alex Collins kind of lost his job last year is because Harbaugh wanted him to just put his head down and go and he was trying to dance and he's just not that type of guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, anything else you guys want to add on on the running back class before we move on? One more name I'll drop is uh, Bryce Love. Um, he should have come out last year. We've all kind of figured that part out. But um, I know he missed the year due to injury, but, I mean, he's got some elite speed. He's got some elite traits. Um, a name that comes to mind for me is Chris Johnson. Uh, I know that he's not going to be that. But um, he's got some of that look to his game. And I think that 
you know, everybody dismissing him as, as just gone from memory here um, is maybe a little, a uh, little uh, too forward. Hmm. Yeah. yeah no, it's I, interesting. He's a polarizing figure. What do you guys think about Bryce Love? I, uh, I agreed. He should have obviously came out last year and it's definitely hurt him that, you know, the down, the down year that he has had, but um, the, I think the, probably the main concern is can he run, you know, inside the tackles at the pro level, you know, like he, like he did at the college level. And um, I, I took a, you know, it was just a mock, but in the FF statistics mock, I, probably jumped around earlier than I would have liked, but I took him in the third round and I pretty much said, Hey, Kansas city, take him. And I I'll be plenty happy with something like that. If you know, that would, that would definitely landing spot for him would definitely change my view um, about what I think about him right now, for sure. Right. Yeah. He's not someone I'm very high on, but it's worth a flyer as well. So yeah, very good. Good stuff, Josh. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Dwight. I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Bryce Love. Um, I, I, I worry more about his size and injuries um, for the most part, but he definitely has a shiftiness to his game and uh, and is worth a late-round flyer that he's he's going at right now. So, um, yeah, so so let's move on, guys, because we, we got uh, this next question here. I'm, I'm really actually interested in asking you guys because this is something that I, I, I try to pick everyone's brain to try to get better myself at evaluating these prospects. And this is something, this is one of the first questions that I ask people. So before we go any further into the positions, I'd like to know what a few of the most important things are that you guys look for on film with these prospects and how much you invest in college production. Um, so so what, what is it on film at any position? Um, what is it on film that you look for? And uh, how, how heavily does college production weigh into you, to your, your, uh, your evaluation on these guys? Right. As, as far as um, college production obviously does matter. Um, it matters, especially the level of competition, but we've seen many small school guys put up huge numbers and be successful and not be successful. So I don't think it should be the end all be all. As far as what I watch, I really like watching what a guy does in the, in the bad games. You know, the games where they rushed for 20 times for 60 yards, you know, and had a fumble. I like watching those games. I like watching how they act when they don't have the ball. Um, body language, things like that. You know, you can tell when they're getting their tails kicked. You know, it's kind of nice. You want to see that effort. You want to see that fire. You know, you want to see them still hitting people, still playing after the snap. You know, you want to see things like that. You want to see that. That and like the production obviously does matter. You can see it, you find a lot of things by like dominator rating and all that stuff like that. But when I watch tape, I'm trying to watch, you know, I, I really like, I don't, I'm, I'm still learning the whole, you know, verbiage of everything, you know, like how he squares their hips up and things like that. You know, those are things I'm still learning. I'm self-taught. You know, I listen to a lot of people that are very smart, way smarter than me. And I read a lot. And I watch a lot of tape, way more than I should, way more than my wife wants me to. Um, but I, I, I love watching the games, and I love watching – I find it important to watch a game that they did really good, and I find it important to watch a game where they just – you know, they sucked, you know, for the lack of a better word. And I like watching what they do away from the wall, you know, just the, the little things, the things that, you know, will matter at the next level. So that's what really impresses me when I see a guy on tape. Real nice. Okay, so I like that. So that's a list of things – 
that uh, that are, are are things that you can look for on tape when when the player isn't isn't getting the ball or isn't having a good game, uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, no, I, I like that. That's that's something that I'm going to start looking for because I'll be honest with you, I don't. Um, I a lot of those things that you just mentioned are things that I I, I kind of gloss over. So um, something for me to pay attention to a little bit more. Right, you don't want to watch the highlight reels because every player's got a highlight reel on YouTube or whatever of all their awesome plays. You know, that's when you get stuck up in a guy like. You know, Kalen Bellagio had an unreal highlight re- reel, mm-hmm. you know, but then the other plays, you know, <laughs> what did he do the other plays, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think that is important. I, I definitely want to want to take in both types of games. But uh, but looking at a guy's, a, a guy's body language, you know, when he isn't getting the ball or a guy's, you know, uh, what he's doing away from the ball when, you know, when maybe we're looking at somebody else or we're looking at where the ball's going or we're evaluating something else uh, or we're just glossing over that play. That's that's something new for me. That, that'll that be something that I'll start looking forward to, uh, to, to kind of looking at on film. So I, I appreciate you sharing that um, because that's that's definitely good stuff. That's something that'll help myself for sure. So um David, what about you? What do you look for on film, and uh, and you know what 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 is what are the things that really stand out to you, and what are the things that you look for, and uh, what about college production? How heavily do you invest in uh, production in college? Yeah, um, like I said, with the running backs, you know, I, I picture myself as context kind of guy. So, 30, like I said, thirty three percent film, thirty three percent numbers, thirty four percent context. Uh, so like if i'm you know watching a watching a player like dk metcalf so he he's a deep threat and you know deep um vertical routes and everything like that they take time to time to develop and so everybody's saying well why didn't he get more why didn't he get more and you know shouldn't he have garnered more well they had they had guys for the other roles that they, they really didn't need him to play another role. And yeah, you would have liked to see him, you know, go to the right side of the field a little more often than just running up the left side of the field the whole time. But he's going to run those, you know, those deep routes. He's their, their deep threat. Their offensive line was not very good at all. So if he's running a nine route that takes some time to develop and his quarterback is scrambling for his life, he's not going to get the ball. So I want to look at, you know, like what the, what the O-line's doing for the running backs. You know, this, this guy might not have had a high yards per carry, but maybe they suffered a few injuries on the O-line and, you know, he just didn't have any holes to run through and mm-hmm. you can only do so much by yourself or what the O-line is doing for um, the, the quarterbacks and the receivers, kind of how I was just talking about DK or, um even you know even like looking at uh a player like Benny Snell who he didn't catch a lot of passes and that doesn't mean he can't ke- pa- catch passes it just means he didn't and then you look at you know well a lot of running backs like Elijah Holyfield they had a guy on their team that caught a lot of passes you know mm-hmm. Swift caught a bunch of passes well Snell the, his his you know, Kentucky only threw or only had 26 or 27 completions to the running back all year. And he had 17 of them. So even though he didn't catch a lot of passes, that doesn't mean he can't because the majority of the time when they asked a running back to do that, he was the guy who was in there. Real so, nice. So you're, so you're real quick. You're looking for some context within the film. Is that kind of yeah, what you're saying? 
and trying to apply the the film and the numbers and p put a full picture together mm -hmm. just you know like how often did they throw the ball you know if you're looking at a, a wide receiver who only had 60 catches as opposed to a guy who had 90 catches well maybe the the quarterback for receiver a only had 350 at 400 attempts and receiver B had 600 attempts. So obviously he's probably going to get some more targets. So mm -hmm. that doesn't automatically mean he might be more of a PPR threat than the other guy. Real nice. Okay. Yeah, no, I like that too. That's, that's, yeah, I think that's really important uh, when, when looking at the film and when looking at the numbers is putting some context to it and making sure that you understand, you know, th these numbers, you know, they, they are what they are as far as production goes. Um, but, you know, there's, there's some context to it. There's some reasons why, um, reasons behind some of those things and looking at those reasons can really help you evaluate a, a, a player or a position a whole lot better. Exactly. I just think it gives you a, a different, if you're looking just at the film, you might not get the full picture. In my opinion, if you're mm -hmm. looking just at the numbers, you might not get the full picture, but if you look at them both and kind of apply them both into one, you know, to one nutshell, I, I, in my opinion, from my experience, I can kind of get a better idea of the player, the situation, all that kind of stuff as a whole. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Now, Josh, I'm going to move on to you, but I am going to change the question a little bit for you because I, I just like keeping you on your toes. Um, as far as as far as this goes, um, you know, as far as, you know, what you look for on film, I'm going to have you answer specifically for quarterbacks. What is it that you look for in quarterbacks, considering this is a, hey, this is a super flex podcast, man. We, we need to know about those quarterbacks. What is it that you look for quarterbacks uh, on film? Um, and uh, also, you know, what what do you uh, what do you how, how much do you weigh college production at the quarterback position um, when you when you evaluate these guys? Yeah, quarterback is an interesting position for sure. Um, I think the, the most important thing is NFL traits. Um, what I like to look for on tape the most is pocket presence, uh, composure under pressure, just those things that are going to translate to the NFL, you know, those things that are, are going to be maybe they didn't have to deal with it as much in college and they're going to have to deal with it on a higher level in the NFL. Um, but, you know, a guy's ability to sense the pressure without looking, um, a guy's ability to keep his eyes downfield and move in the pocket, uh, escape the pocket and, um, you know, it's a, a guy, even a guy's ability to, uh, give up on a play and throw the ball away. Um, just the NFL level decision-making, uh, is, is very important. Um, probably more important than the arm talent. Um, the production is not terribly important for me. Um, scheme and a lot of other things can always dictate, uh, what numbers a quarterback is going to put up. But, um, there are a lot of advanced stats out there that can really help you out. Um, QBR, if you can figure that out for college, uh, as it's very different than the NFL, is, is helpful. Um, and you can always do a lot of the, of the number manipulations, which I'm not the best at, but there's plenty of guys out there that can help you out um, in, in getting some of those numbers and really helping to, to kind of maybe make some of the comparisons between guys um, like a, a Haskins, a Murray, or a Locke at the top of a class and really help separate them that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, and that, that totally works for me. I, I, I agree with that completely. 
Um, and I like I like what you look for. I like that accuracy. That's something that I mean easily can translate uh, over to the next level. So um, no, I, I I like that a lot. Thank you for answering that for the quarterbacks there. Um, so hopefully our listeners kind of get a little bit of knowledge on what we look for for the quarterbacks here and what Josh is looking for there. Um, real quick, I'll add my two cents for me. Um, as far as first off, I'll just start with uh, with college production. I, d- I don't weigh it very heavily at all, um, and and the main reason is because you know it, there's context. I like what David said. You know, you, you have to weigh the context with it. Um, you know, somebody who went to a small school um, and played in a pass happy offense and played against subpar competition should have numbers that are through the roof. Whereas somebody who played for Alabama, let's say, um, you know, who may have relied a little bit heavier on the running game and the defense may not have these huge outrageous just, you know, passing numbers and that's okay. Um, so to me, I, I don't really weigh that too, too much. Um, I I'll, I'll weigh uh, a little bit more uh, towards the film uh, than I will college production. And I try to use the analytics as well. And I think um, a lot of the numbers that we get from the combine, I think will weigh into my decision as well as the pro days on some of these guys further. Um, but I do think it is a marriage uh, for that. So, and, and, uh, and lastly, uh, what I'll add to this is, uh, is for me that the first thing I look at in any position is, is the feet. I, I look at footwork. Um, that's whenever I evaluate a position, the first thing I do is look at their feet. Um, and obviously you're looking for different things at different positions. Um, but, you know, for me, wide receivers, you know, you want to make sure that there's no false steps in there, um, you know, that every step means something on a route. Um, for running backs, I, I definitely want to see their feet. How agile are they on their feet? Um, how many false steps are they taking? Um, that sort of thing. How how uh, how easy is it for them to, to make cuts? That sort of thing. And then quarterbacks, obviously, it's, you know, do, do they have happy feet in the pocket? Um, how are they in their three-step drops, on their five-step drops, you know, in the shotgun? That sort of thing. Um, you know, and so looking at the footwork can tell a story there. So, um, that's, that's basically what I look at, but I, I want to move on to the wide receivers guys. I really do. And this wide receiver class is, is interesting. Um, this wide receiver class looks to have a ton of depth. Um, but does it have that top end talent? Uh, and I think that's a question that a lot of people are asking. So David, I'm going to start with you. It, does this, does this class have that top end talent? And what do you think about the depth and who are your top guys at the position or, uh, you know, let's say your top guy, because that's kind of a polarizing spot right now. Who is your top, top wide receiver at the position as well? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty dang excited about this wide receiver class. I think there's, I don't think it's just a couple guys at the top. I think it goes, I think it goes 10, 12, maybe 15 deep of guys who can be, studs in the nfl and maybe i'm being optimistic about that but just i'm liking a lot of guys that i'm i'm seeing and i you know if tyler johnson would have chose to come out this year would have been even better but um you know is it is it 2014 with adams and evans and a rob watkins cooks you know we won't know until they hit the field because you know that class wasn't really that class until we saw them all on the field just being successful so uh, I I think it's a really good class that goes really deep, and I I think it's important, especially with with uh, the wide receivers this year. You know, landing spots going to be key because there's a lot of good wide receivers in the league, and are you going to go in as one of these? you know, top young guys in the class? Are you going to go into a place like Green Bay and just take targets from Devontae Adams? Or, you know, so you want to see these guys go to a place for fantasy-wise that 
they don't necessarily have to compete with these top echelon guys that are in the league right now. And, you know, it's, um, it's just going to be really important as well to, with their combine and everything, don't, don't double count these guys combines or for any, anybody. And you guys, I'm sure know this. You don't double count the combine. We know Hakeem Butler can jump high. We know Andy Isabella is very agile. Don't be shocked when they have good numbers there. What you want to watch for is, oh, Andy Isabella didn't run a good three cone or Hakeem Butler isn't, you know, he as vertically um, gifted as we thought type of thing. So you don't want to, you know, be all surprised and let that elevate your thoughts of some of these guys. But um, as far as top guy, I think I'm kind of probably pretty chalk right now. Um, Nikhil Harry, and then I have, you know, Kelvin Harmon. And then I think most people, it's either kind of one of those two guys or you got, you know, a lot of people with DK Metcalf in there. Um, but I, mine, Top guys are kind of, you know, I, I'm I'm really waiting to see landing spots on these guys before I kind of rank them, because like I said, if you, you know, if you go to uh, Green Bay or uh, the, you know, a place like that that has a really established tier one wide receiver that just garners so much work, um, that can hold them back. Whereas if you went to a place like Indianapolis, who T.Y. is still their wide receiver one, but he is not the – he doesn't need the volume that – or he's not going to take the volume that, say, Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams or, you know, Julio last year with with Ridley. Like, he's not going to take that kind of volume that those guys will take. So that, I think, would be, you know, a better landing spot for some of these guys to step into. And so that's why I kind of – I want to really see landing spots with these because I'm so excited about a lot of them that I just, I think that'll kind of be my, my tipping point for when I finally, you know, lock in my ranks and stuff. Sure. Yeah. And, and this, this, uh, obviously this is all, you know, pre-combine, pre, you know, draft and all that, a lot can change between now and then. So a lot of these rankings are just kind of, as of right now, um, is, is kind of what I'm asking, but I, I definitely like that. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, that landing spot's going to be huge and, and there's so much that can change come landing spots. So I think that's an important message not to marry yourself to a prospect, um, and saying that this is the top guy and going to bat for him. And then realizing that his landing spot is so much worse than some of the other guys that you had ranked pretty, pretty close to him. Um, because yeah, that, could, yeah. Yeah. We are, you know, we are ranking for fantasy. We're not, you know, we're not the, the, the scouts trying to say who's going to be the best for our team as a football team. You know, we're trying to say who's going to put up the most numbers for everybody as far as fantasy wise. So yeah, that's, that's kind of why I'm, I'm not super locked in. Like I said, I'd probably chalk with Harry, you know, he, with what he did with how much, you know, you know, Benjamin had success running the ball and Harry was still able to, mm-hmm. to do yeah. all that work and how, you know, how good he is, you know, at the, you know, at the catch point and everything like that. Um, I think that only boosts him up a little bit, but I I mean, I've heard some people, you know, saying that he's overrated and not in their top five. So, I mean, there's just so many guys in this class that I, I think the, the landing spot for me is going to be where I can sit down and really like say, okay, I like him here, him at two, him at three. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Awesome. Josh, 
what do you think? What do you think about this class? Who's your number one prospect? And uh, do you think there's there's a uh, a lot of depth, but no top talent, or do you think that top talent's there? I love the top talent in this class. Um, I I think that it's probably very bold, but I think 2014 is is almost an expectation for me at this point. Um, health uh, being the only thing that could really uh, derail that. Um, oh. Herring like is my top guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these guys are – and I mean, we've already lost three guys that should have been in this class that aren't. And Tyler Johnson, like you said, Colin Johnson out of Texas who went back, and Amon Richards, we got to pour one out for that fella. Uh, I had him high on this list until he had that neck injury and is mm-hmm. not going to play football again. That one hurt. Um, Harry is my top guy. Um he and Harmon are, are at the top. I, I would say that they're in the same tier, but um, Harry is is still significantly above him uh, just for run after the catch ability. Uh, Harmon, my only concern with him is that he just seems to go down once he gets touched. Um, and, and that's not a terrible concern because he averages like 19, 20 yards a catch. So, you know, he, he's a beast of an outside receiver. That's And that's the greatest part about this class is it's, you know, a bunch of guys that are, you know, super capable of playing on the outside. And, and if you really want to put them in the slot, I, I know they can all succeed there as well. Um, I think that the top five, my top five is Harry Harmon, Brown, Metcalf, and Butler. All five of those guys are going to contribute at a high level in the first year. I think, I don't, I don't know that there's any uh, expectation that they should, should falter in that. Um, I think that I would be surprised if any of them go outside of the top 50, um, I think that all five of those guys should get in that in that range. Uh, landing spot will affect it, but I think Harry and Harmon are going to be my top guys regardless. And then Brown and Metcalf uh, are interchangeable. And then Butler, I don't I don't know that he can jump any of those top four. Okay, nice. No, I I, I like that. Um, so Nikhil Harry so far is the top prospect for two of you. I'm going to Dwight. Dwight, is Nikhil Harry your top prospect? How do you feel about this class, and how do you feel about the top prospects in general? I'm going to disagree with all y'all. This class is trash. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I, I do really like the top guys in this class. I don't think any of them are going to be that elite Julio Jones type, but they're going to be just a hair below. And I like, for me, Harmon's just a sliver above, but, but Harmon – Harry and Metcalf all are like almost 1A, B, C type of players and could easily, the landing spot is going to be huge. Like if you get a team that's, you know, Indianapolis, Green Bay, you know, a team is going to throw a lot, you know, that, that really needs wide receivers that I think that'll help a little bit. But I, I would easily take any of those. I, I really like the take of putting Josh Harry that high. I think you said you had him in your top 12 wide receivers in the notes. Josh? Yeah, I, I, he's my twelfth dynasty receiver before the before the draft. Even I'm, I real- like that, man. Yeah, just plant your flag, man. I like it. He's he's a guy that's been exciting for a long time, and you a lot of things you really like about him. He just he just seems to really shine on tape when you can and and he does so much so well. People say he doesn't separate as well, but I don't. I didn't see that as much. Um, and then beyond those top guys, I mean, there's. You know, Debo Samuel. I love Andy Isabella a lot, and unfortunately, he's kind of, you know, he's not a sleeper anymore. But I've loved him since like early, early last year in the season. I was like, dude, look at this guy. 
but it's just something I like the slot guys that, you know, catch a lot of like Anthony, Anthony Miller was my guy last year. So, so I, I tend to like that a lot. And a lot of these guys, it's just, there's a lot of wide receivers that could really make an impact in year one. And, and it's, it's exciting. I've seen a lot of the mocks. There's usually in the top 24, there's probably at least 12 wide receivers. It seems like, and, and, and a lot of people are excited about that. And there's, there's going to be a nice infusion of talent. I, I'm quite a bit. Can I go into my sleeper or no? I'm yeah, just, absolutely. Go for it. Jump on. I just want to make sure nobody else took him. So, I absolutely love Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State. Nice. I think he's probably the the best route runner in the class. He's smooth. He's got great technique. He's productive. He never missed a game. He's got great release, great hands. Obviously, played at a smaller school, so he didn't face the biggest level of competition. The only knock on him is he is a fairly average athlete. He doesn't have that speed and burst that sometimes people absolutely love. And I'm curious to see what he does in the combine. So he's a guy I really love. And if you want to go really deep, Preston Williams from Colorado State is like an absolutely elite athlete that had some red flags, some off-field issues, kind of had to transfer, and then had a hell of a season at Colorado State this year. And if he lands in a system that will give him a couple years to develop, he could be a monster. Very nice. Yeah, the, the regular listeners to the Superflex Super Show are going to know the name Keyshawn Johnson because that is a guy I brought up last week as one of my sleepers. I really like him an awful lot, and I agree. I think he is the best route runner in this class. Um, so, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i high on him as well. Uh, for me, guys, this class, I, I like I, – I, Nikhil Harry is, is probably my one, but I tell you what, I – <clears throat> if landing spot is right, I really like A.J. Brown an awful lot. Um, everything I saw on film with him just screamed to me that he is going to be a high-end producer in this league. Um, <clears throat> and it's interesting because I didn't I didn't think that that's how I would feel when I watched him um, going into the tape, and and I really do. I like him an awful lot. Um, I, also, I, I also like, um, uh, you know, like everybody else, I also like Kelvin Harmon an awful lot. I would put those three uh, in a class kind of uh, uh, above the rest of them um, just a little bit, but I do think that there is uh, there's a, there's a lot of depth in this, this wide receiver class. Um, and, and I like the depth. I do, I do agree though <clears throat> with Dwight. I do think that the, this, this class to me is a step below those top tier guys. I don't see a Julio Jones, AJ green type type class, but I do think that there's still going to be some really good wide receivers in this, in this class, especially at the top. I think you could see four or five guys that are, you know, top 20 receivers, you know, in the league. And that's, that's rare. We don't see that very often. Um, real quick, I'm going to go into a sleeper that I like. I like Will Jordan Humphreys an awful lot. This guy's a big guy who plays the slot and the NFL is kind of going towards that. So I like the fact that he is, he's got that size and uh, he's also got the quickness to play in the slot a little bit. So that's a guy I kind of like a little bit. Um, you, real- you saved me some time. Cause he was, uh, he was my sleeper for the last question of the day. <laughs> nice. Okay. No, well, there's something. I- yeah, I, I love little Jordan Humphrey. I you know, yeah, a lot of times the slot receivers are real tiny and he's a big dude that is just a man with the ball in his hands. They love to get him the ball. You know, he'll run it, return it, catch it, even throws it a little bit. And I think the you know, Cullen Johnson going back and him coming out is kind of given shined a little light, a little more light on just how how good he can be. I have him in my top ten. Nice, nice, Josh. Real quick, let's let's get a sleeper from you. Oh, I will say Antoine Wesley out of Texas Tech. I love um, him. Nice. I love him. 
just a, another big bodied guy with a high ceiling. Um, I have to get further into his tape, but um, I think Ben Solak's article at Draft Network, you know, turned me on to him, and I I think he's rising up my rankings pretty quick here. Nice. Okay, guys, real quick before we move on, just just a one word answer. I'm just going to go real quick. It's going to be rapid fire. Um, I'm going to start with you, uh, David. Uh, real quick, how many of these wide receivers would you take before you draft the first quarterback in a super flex league? I man, I think I'm probably taking through. Well, I said I'd take the quarterback right around five. So, um, are we talking? We're talking just rookie draft, right? Not. Yep. Uh, yep. Just a rookie that. draft. Yep. Okay, so yeah, um, I think I'd probably take three, maybe four. We'll see how it kind of turns out. But, three to four. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, I think I like the I like the wide receivers considerably better than the running backs this year. And, All right. Um, I, All right. You know, maybe in a super flex, if I'm taking my quarterback at five, my first running back might be at six. Okay. It's just Rap- how much I like the class. Rapid fire, Dwight. What do you think? How many wide receivers are you taking before the first quarterback in a super flex league? Three. Three. Yeah. Josh, what about you? Four wide receivers and one running back. Nice. I think I'm. I think I'm on board with four too. So. Uh, really interesting, man. I, I I love going over the wide receiver class this year, and another class that's really interesting is the tight end class. Uh, this tight end group looks to have a lot of depth this year. With you know most people's rankings, they have two Iowa players on the top of their rankings, and I, I'm just curious uh, how much hidden depth outside of those guys <clears throat> um, that project to be good fantasy tight ends um, in this league are there in this draft. Josh, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what do you think here for the uh, the tight end position? Um. I mean, Fant and Hawkinson are, are head and shoulders, um, with the exception of one guy. Um, over at the the fanalists, we've got Irv Smith real high with both of those guys. Um, Matt and Eric are both big on Irv Smith. I am not quite willing to put him on Fant or Hawkinson's level, but um, I do trust those guys in what they see, so um, I like Smith a lot as well. Um, I think it's kind of a Tier 1 and a Tier 1A Um so Smith is a guy to uh, keep your eye on if he's going to fall into the late second of, of rookie drafts. Um, and then, I mean, the depth is, is crazy. I mean, there's a lot of guys, um, but this is, I mean, this is the position that I've kind of neglected up till now and I need to get into. So I'm going to let these other guys take the lead. Okay. Awesome. So let's, uh, I, I like Irv Smith for the record, but let's, let's go to, uh, let's go to John here, or, uh, to Dwight rather Dwight. Um, what do you think about these tight ends, and is there some depth behind those top two guys? Oh, absolutely, man. I love uh, – there's a lot to love about Irv Smith Jr., Caleb Wilson from UCLA, Caden Smith from Stanford, a guy that really – that I like. And Josh alluded to him in his notes as Jay Sternberger from A&M. I, was, I watched a lot of Travion Williams tape, and every time I'd watch a Jay Sternberger would show. Like, I would be like, dude at him and just I really loved watching him play and then I started to watch him a little more like Josh I haven't dove as deep into him I, I've done a lot of tape watching on Irv Fanton Hawkinson I love all three of those guys a lot but um Sternberger he also he's athletic he's got great hands he, he has a great run after the catch um, he needs to get a little bit better at blocking especially downfield um, he probably needs to add some size a little m- muscle and strength for the NFL, but you see a lot of potential there to be the the type of tight end that the NFL seems to be moving toward and kind of a sleeper. I don't, I don't know. It was a guy that he was at Georgia. He wasn't really used a whole lot, but Isaac Nada came in there, a five-star recruit, 
has never really gotten the chance to shine at Georgia. And he's got a lot of the intangibles that could, you know, I'd like to see a team get him that will use him and he could be dangerous. So another guy I like. Yeah, I, I like I like uh, not a lot too. Um, he, he's he's a guy that uh, yeah you're right didn't get utilized didn't get very much opportunity there in Georgia. But he's a guy that uh, that's highly regarded coming out of high school and is, was a five star recruit. So um, that is interesting, uh, an interesting name to bring up. So David, we're going to go to you, man. What do you think about this tight end position outside of those top two guys? And uh, and is there is there uh, some hidden depth there? Yeah, I'm you know can't say ex- as excited about. It this position as I am the wide receivers, but I, I think there's a lot of depth here and we kind of, it's kind of cool. We've seen a little bit of a tight end resurgence possibly, you know, with the Kittles and OJ Howards and Herndon's of the world kind of coming in and we might see a day soon where there's more than three viable fantasy tight ends to plug in every single week. Um, there's a lot of good ones coming out this year. You know, obviously like the guys said, Fant and Hawkinson um, real quick, just, I, was listening to uh, listening to somebody I can't remember who it was, but they said that they would take five or six tight ends before they would ever take Hawkinson in this draft, just because they think he's going to run like a four eight, and just that he just doesn't do anything special. And I just, you know, obviously athletically, you're not going to compare him to Fant. Fant's just a a freak athletically, but he's not going to put his hand in the ground like Hawkinson will. But like, what what are your guys? Who in the world? I I can't think of it off the top of my head, and I really wish I could. Good lord! It was was actually in like the last two days, and I have him number two, so I'm not on that boat. It just made me think. Like when I hear takes like that, it it makes me want to go back and look at the guy and say, "Okay, if that's that hot of a take, did I really miss something about him?" So um, that's. I just wanted to know if there, like, are you guys no doubt on Hawkinson, or is there, you know. Is there uh, something about, you know, is his speed a concern for you guys or anything like that? Or is it just he's locked in there as possibly the number one or number two, just guaranteed? His speed is, is not elite, but you don't have to have elite speed at tight end. Not everybody's Jimmy Graham. You know, not everybody's going to have that, you know, scene splitting just burner down the field. Just watch the kid play. I mean, holy crap. I don't know. I've seen him. <laughs> I actually fell in love with him. He's just a blue collar guy and he just catches everything. He blocks, he smacks the crap out of, you know, big linemen. He doesn't care. He's so much fun to watch. I mean, I, I don't see any way. I, I think he could run a four seven and someone will drop him down the board. Someone will grab him and he's going to be a great tight end. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't care one bit if he runs bad. I estimate he'll probably be in the four six area. He's not going to blaze anything, but. Yeah, that, that's crazy to me, man. I wish I knew who that was so I could block him or something. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I tend to I tend to agree. It just like I said, when I hear something like that, it makes me want to go, okay, did I did I really miss something with this guy? Because he obviously saw something he really didn't like. So and I, I see nothing but things that I like. So um, maybe, I think maybe his high school girlfriend ran off with a guy named TJ or something. Know. Something, you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of depth here. Uh Sternberger, like you said, I really like him. Just um he you did, didn't really get to th- see anything till this year. He transferred over and then I he missed last season, I believe, as well. So we didn't get to see a ton from him, but in, in one year he came in and just lit the world on fire for him. So I, I really like him as well. And then Irv Smith and Nada, you know, we didn't get to see his full potential. 
Um, so yeah, I like how you know Wilson, even though he only played five games last year uh, for UCLA, he still doubled his production from the first year and then doubled it again this year. So um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good potential fantasy relevant tight ends. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with you. I think this is a very, very in-depth class. And first off, Hawkinson is definitely my number two um, out, outside of Noah Fant, and he is he's tremendous. I mean, his hands are fantastic. He catches almost everything that's thrown to him. The, the guy is a hard worker. He's going to play his way on the field as a blocker, but I think he's going to win people over as a pass catcher. He reminds me a little bit of in the in the pass catching game he reminds me a little bit of like a Jason Witten um he's just kind of an, a, a reliable guy who you can rely on in the in the short passing game so i, I like him a ton uh, but a guy that, guy that i like a little bit more than uh than than maybe some some others do and uh and that is Caleb Wilson i really like Caleb Wilson out of UCLA i think this is a guy who uh who fantasy wise i mean he's not the biggest guy um i think he's i think he's right around 240 pounds so he's not the biggest guy he's not going to be a guy who's going to find playing time in line blocking a lot but his receiving ability is really really good and i think that's something that as a fantasy you know as a fantasy prospect that's what you want to see you want to see a guy that can catch the ball um that has natural hands and i think he has that so that that's a guy that i like an awful lot at the tight end position but uh but let, let's move on the tight end position um is what it is, um, and, and there's some depth there, and I think we covered it pretty well. But, guys, I want to finish up. It's the last question, uh, but I think it's important. I, I, I'd I like to close this episode by asking you all for a sleeper prospect, a guy that you really think can become a fantasy-relevant player in the right situation that people might not be looking at right now, can be any position. Wh- whatever you guys are looking at, tell me. So we're going to start with you, Dwight. Who is it that you have as your – your sleeper prospect, the guy that you're going to go to bat for that nobody else is maybe paying attention to or that is drastically underrated right now? Yeah, I think it's kind of – this is kind of an odd one, being he was a five-star recruit, and he, but he's being sitting behind Saquon Barkley can do some things to people. Um, I really like Miles Sanders. Um, he was highly, very highly recruited out of high school. He's got great – he's got power, speed. You know, his decision-making is a little – but he's only a one-year starter. Um, on a team, Penn State, that offense was fairly anemic at times this year. Uh, he still had pretty, it was pretty well. He ran for 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, six yards a carry. He catches the ball out of the backfield. I think he's got a lot of the traits and a lot of the things you look for, but he hasn't had a lot of time to show them. So I think he's kind of fallen down draft boards a, a little bit, but he's he changes directions really well. I just he's you see a lot of things on tape that you see if he was given a couple years and if he wasn't behind Saquon Barkley, you know, maybe he would be a lot better than what he is. So there's some things that you that I didn't like, you know, like the decision making and stuff, but you can definitely see that there are a lot of traits there. And he's going crazy late, like in third, fourth round of rookie drafts and He's a five-star recruit and a very talented guy. Pretty good size, 5'11", 220. Uh, the combine's going to be a big thing for him. So just a guy I really like. Very nice. Okay, yeah, I, I like that. That's a name I'm marking down uh, myself here. Uh, David, let's go to you. Who is your one sleeper? I know I took your guy. I know I took a little Jordan Humphreys, but who else is there out there that is your sleeper that you think is drastically underrated that no one's talking about that can be a fantasy-relevant player in the right situation? Yeah, yeah, my second backup sleeper actually got taken as well because I was going to say Wesley. But um, <laughs> so I, I'm not exactly fully prepared for this now. I had two guys ready. But uh, 
I, you know, I mean, I'll I'll be boring and just go a little more in depth into Humphrey because I I think I'm a little higher on them nice. than a lot of people. Um, like I said, it just as when Colin Johnson decided to go back, I think everybody kind of got to see a little bit more of what he's able to do. He's a Swiss Army knife. I think he can come in and play right away. You know, kind of that tall slot receivers kind of um, we can see what what that height can do at that position with how Michael Thomas is used or how Juju's used or, you know, guys like that. It, it can just be such a, uh, an X factor because the, you know, they're too big and physical for, you know, slot corners to deal with and they're too fast for the linebackers and the safeties to deal with. And so I, I think he can come right in, be a factor for a team just with his versatility. He doesn't run, you know, he's not going to run the sharpest routes, but he has that size and he's able he, you know, boxes out defenders really well. So that size can kind of help him compensate for a little bit of his deficiency there, but just, um, a, just a straight beast with the ball in his hands. They love to get it to him on, you know, quick wide receiver screens, running plays, anything like that. And he, you know, he doesn't, have the uh this the top end speed to really be a, a big time threat vertically as far as like creating separation but he's really good at catching a, a contested ball um and one thing i really saw even though he's running out of the slot i saw a bunch of plays where he's catching a ball on the sideline and he was trying to get three feet down so i mean it's it's doesn't matter if you get two down in college but if you see a guy that's trying to get two down that just means the transition is going to be that much easier for them into the pros so um as far as humphrey i would love to see the cowboys transition from beasley and put him right in there and have him just stay home you know he wouldn't have to drive very far to work every day so Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, I obviously I, I like little Jordan Humphreys a lot myself. So that's that's awesome. Josh, we're going to you, bud. Who is your sleeper in this in this uh, draft class here or a guy that no one's talking about that you think can be fantasy relevant in the right situation? Uh, my guy is Dawson Knox, tight end out of Ole Miss. Uh, he's a guy that was talked about uh, briefly. Um there was some buzz about him being a first-round NFL draft prospect. I don't think that's the case, um, but being a you know converted to tight end from a walk-on QB, um, he's developed remarkably quickly. Um, I think he's got a great mind for the game, and I think his body is, is, is a lot better than people are giving him credit for. Um, I think he can test really well at the combine and really open a lot of eyes. Um, if he does well there, I think uh, he could get a good landing spot. He's he's a seam tight end. He's not a not an inline blocker, but what do you expect from a quarterback, you know, at heart? Um, but hopefully, I think that if he shows out with that athleticism, I think that he can transfer that into uh, a shot at some playing time and and possibly even some uh, rookie numbers here. Really nice. That's that's a name kind of going going way off the uh, off the radar there. So I like it. Um, real quick, guys, I'm going to throw out Easton Stick, um, quarterback out of North Dakota State. Uh, this is a guy obviously playing at North Dakota State, wasn't playing against the highest level of competition. I just like his makeup. I like his uh, pretty much a, a little bit of everything. I like his frame. He's 6'2", 221. Um, so I like his size. I like his pocket presence. He's mobile. Um, he's a guy you can run the ball to. Um, he, he didn't show very well at the East West Shrine game. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit with field vision and that sort of thing. But I think 
a lot of that goes goes to the fact that he just he's going to be more comfortable knowing the system and going to the East-West Shrine game. I don't think he was comfortable with that. This is a guy who I think is going to be drafted late, um, you know, sixth, seventh round late. And, uh, and I think, you know, him being able to sit for a few years and learn a system and get comfortable with some of the weapons is going to be huge for him. This is a guy who I think could be fantasy relevant if given a shot in the right situation. So, um, Guys, that's going to wrap it up. We are set to go. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming on again. Uh, David Wilsey, you can find him uh, over at FF Statistics, or you can listen to the FF Youth Movement Podcast, where he is the co-host. Josh Padgett, thank you so much for coming on. You can find him over at the Fantasy Fanalists. Um, you can also listen to their podcast, which apparently they had a 48-man mock. I can tell you guys I am going to go listen to that uh, pretty quick here now that we finish up. 48-man <laughs> mock. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna be fun to listen to. So you can find his stuff. He's also a writer and a ranker over there. So make sure to check him out uh, over at the uh, the Fantasy Fanalytics. And last but not least, we have Dwight Peebles. Dwight is the co-host of the Debbie Happy Hour, an excellent podcast. Make sure to check that out. He also is a writer and ranker over at Dynasty Happy Hour. So check out his rankings and his writings as well. You can find them over there. Guys, thank you so much for coming on and dropping some knowledge with us on the draft class. I really appreciate each and every one of you coming on. Thanks for having thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the invite, and I'm really happy to talk with you fine fellas about some football. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. All right, all right. We're going to wrap it up asking you all for a quick favor, all the listeners out there. If you have yet to subscribe to the podcast, please do so uh, wherever you enjoy listening to these podcasts. You can also subscri- subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, mega feed and get access to all the fantastic podcasts from DLF. And once you've subscribed, you can give us a rating and review that would really help us out and help us expand our reach and get us to a larger audience. Really zero in on the topics that help you, the listener, the most. Also, make sure to send us your trades on Twitter. You can send them uh, to the at Superflex show Twitter handle so we can retweet, vote, and perhaps even discuss the trades on the show. You can also send them to us individually. Uh, you can send them to Stompy at FF Stompy on Twitter. You can send them to John at Superflex Dude, or you can send them to myself at underscore James the Brain, and we'll be happy to help out with retweets, votes, and anything we can do. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the use of the song The Addiction and for, for our intro and outro music. And again, thanks to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah, yeah.